nice catch there by Carlisle. Sheldon Day, whose motor runs all day and night. Hey. They call me first that day. They don't really? Even, come on now. First that day. <laughs> right he there. Got you. Oh. Nah, see, that, that was a little slow. I used to always complain about Notre Dame football. Like, why do they always get the NBC TV deal? Why do I see them on prime time every Saturday in the fall? But Notre Dame football, I will slander no longer because Sheldon Day and Amir Carlisle are special, man. I'm telling you. Welcome to your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast. I take your favorite athletes and I make them talk about their business endeavors and things they're doing off the court, the field, the arena. Amir and Shell, along with Richard Sherman, co-founded the Players Company, which leverages the collective influence and purchasing power of professional athletes for access to business development, financial education, and investment opportunities. Now, Amir runs Point on BankDAO, which we'll explain later in the episode. While Sheldon is entering his seventh season in the NFL, just coming off a good year with the Cleveland Browns. You guys might know these two as great football players. I see him as one of the fastest rising investors and entrepreneurs in the business. My name's Noah Lack, and welcome to Athletes and Assets. This is crazy because this is a two for one special. I thought I was getting Shell. I got Shell and Amir Carlisle on the podcast, fellas, but let's skip the small talk. This is going to be tailored towards your position. Shell, your job is to get to the quarterback, but a lot of times we don't realize in the trenches how athletic linemen are. And so I know you're gonna hate this question, but like, who is an offensive lineman you gotta give your flowers to just cause they are just a beast uh, in the trenches. And then after Shell answers Amir, who is a DB you just gotta give your flowers to? He's just putting wide receivers on clamps. Uh, yeah, let, let, let's start with that, man. I gotta hear from the other side of the ball who you guys, who you guys have that respect for. <laughs> I'm gonna keep it in the Notre Dame family and give some love to Zach Martin and Quentin Nelson. Those guys, they lock, clamp anybody up. Uh, I know it was a big matchup between Quentin Nelson and AD this year. I don't know how it went, but I'm gonna kind of tap back in. But those two guys, you gotta give your flowers to. Two of the best playing at the highest level they can. Pro Bowl caliber, all pro, they just do it all. For sure. And so I'm gonna just go off the, the best person I got matched up with in college was definitely uh, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, you know, we were playing Florida State. He was uh, he was at nickel, and I was in slot the whole game. Uh, you know, somebody who's you know whose talk matches their play. Um, it's you know got to give his flowers up to, to him as a player, definitely. Yeah, no, for sure. Those are um, all beasts across the board. I've been following you guys for a long time with with the players' company and Bank Dow, um, and really, and what drew me to to you two is like. Sheldon, I was listening to you on the Terrell Owens podcast, which, by the way, was hilarious. Uh, in the same breath, within the same 10 minutes, you mentioned how, with the, with the same intensity, you broke down how, to, how you plan on rehabbing your left knee to help get you more explosive off the edge. And then 10 minutes later, you're breaking down the systems of group economics and why it's vital for NFL players to operate financially as a team and how web3 plays a part in that and i'm sitting there like watching youtube like holy smokes the the depth of your knowledge in, in all these areas is incredible and so for and and amir you have that as well you just like you guys get it in all facets which is like it's rare and it, it, it attracts a guy like me especially for the podcast where we talk about athletes and business I'm curious for you two, and I'll just open it up to whoever like wants to jump in. 
you guys both were involved in investing, you know, during your your, your playing careers. And I asked this question in the Discord, but I, I just want to ask it again. How the hell, you know, in your primes were you able to balance investing business while being devoted to to your on the field craft? I'll, I'll jump this one off. So uh, I feel like in every NFL locker room, there's always talk about how do you grow as a businessman? How do you become more successful? And it's always that question of how much are you willing to pour into yourself on your off days? And I, I like to take Tuesdays and Monday nights to kind of reassess my business strategy and who I want to be once I get done playing with football. So those are kind of my two days to where I'm like, what, what is the market doing or what opportunities have I got in the VC or the angel investing world? And I kind of take those those days to like kind of reassess. So everybody's always asking, how do you prioritize football and doing business and things like that? I feel like you have to take time to really invest in yourself, whether that's reading books, listening to podcasts, and really understanding the market to make sure that you're making the best financial decision for your future because you're the only person that's going to care how your money ends up when you're done playing. So I really take that personal when it comes to my finances. For sure. Yeah, for me, so I had, when I was at ND, I had a really bad, you know, ankle injury where, you know, I broke my ankle and had permanent nerve damage. And I wasn't necessarily able to get back to, you know, that stop start that I always had. I figured out how to compensate on it and, you know, ended up starting my last two years and having an opportunity, you know, to put that, you know, NFL jersey on. But I always knew, you know, I wasn't really in it to have that, you know, seven to plus year career like Sheldon. Um, you know, I knew like this was just kind of a stepping stone to my next thing. Um, and so I always really, you know, approached it like that, where, you know, it's about how could I leverage, you know, my, I guess, quote unquote, status at the time of being a, a current professional athlete to open doors um, to now help, you know, really guide me to what my next step would be. And so, you know, like Sheldon, I always shoot. I, it wasn't just my off days. It was every day I was trying to put feelers out um, to really understand, you know, what was I really interested in. Um, you know, I had a chance, you know, while I was in school to to begin to kind of get a feeling for what I was interested in outside of the sport. But, sure. you know, as a as a college athlete, you know, we don't really get much opportunity to do anything outside of the sport, as you know. Um, and so, you know, my first after my rookie year, I got into, you know, uh, an internship in private equity. Um, then, you know, Sheldon and I did a project with, you know, Wellfront. And, you know, we really took, you know, so much time to really figure out how do we first navigate the network. and then you know, figure out, you know, what's our passion project. And collectively, me and Shell came in day one at Notre Dame together. I was transferred from USC. He was coming in, like, we moved in the same day. We had the same, you know, tutoring session um, where, you know, after practice, we were in the same room every day. We ended up living across the hall from each other. We were the same major. So we always knew we wanted to work together after school. So it's been dope. Like, you know, my whole kind of young adult life, you know, Shell and I, we've been figuring out, okay, how are we going to make our mark on this business world? And it's really about, you know, how can we open these doors and network and shake the right hand? And, you know, like Sheldon said, it's been, it's been a lot of balanced mind. It's been a little bit more skewed towards kind of, you know, how do I now take that next step? But um, it was always having that, you know, thought at the back of my head, like, you know, I got to figure out what my exit plan is. Yeah, no, 100%. And it sounds like for you, Amir, it's like, shout out my guy Rex, the last, you know, episode, Notre Dame alum. I heard how great Notre Dame was, <laughs> plenty. And so like, like the, the school, the academic setup, you know, it's, it's obviously a great place to, to sort of figure out your next step. Was there someone in the locker room, in the league that sort of like opened your eyes to your, your next step outside of football? Or, 
did that just come within and did it start at school? Because um, like a lot of times people could get introduced to something like this, you know, business through a mentor or. Most definitely. I, I'll hop in. It's because it's somebody who's been extremely influential for both of us. And Kelvin Beecham um, was with Sheldon his rookie year in Jacksonville. Um, and, you know, as Sheldon we went out to, to the 49ers, you know, he, he definitely stayed in close contact with, with Beecham. And, you know, he introduced me to, to Kelvin. I'm not sure if you've come across him. Have you come across? I haven't had the chance to meet him yet. I hope I get to uh, event down the road because he seems like an incredible figure in terms of like the NFL player meets like business world. Yeah, man, he's like you know top of the line in terms. Of, I think he's got he's got a better investment portfolio than than many you know professional investors. Wow. He is like the man working. Like, how do you nurture your network? That was one of his like primary slogans. Like, you got to nurture your network, and so. You know, what we did, you know, Shell was, was with the 49ers at the time. He was like, look, you know, it only costs, you know, a couple hundred dollars to, to get a jersey from the equipment manager, sign that jersey and send it out to somebody. And, and to them, it'll make the world of a difference. And like, how do you do the little things by adding value back to your network? And so that was one of the things that, you know, was, was really huge for us, you know, because we started, we stopped looking at, you know, individuals and in, in businessmen and women as like, what could I get from them? But it was about like, how can we add mutual value to each other's lives, whether, you know, it might be a smaller thing as just, you know, giving somebody tickets to a game um, or like, you know, how do you, you know, going to support like somebody and their kid at a game or something. And so just figuring out ways to nurture that network. And that was really the stepping stone for us to get into this world um, and building the network that we've built uh, up into this point. So I definitely say a hundred percent, you know, Kelvin Beecham was somebody who has been, a close mentor to Sheldon and, and, you know, has been somebody who's been extremely helpful in my journey as well as we've, you know, taken, taken our first step into this world and now are growing up and, and actually building. It sounds like he's just had such a great impact across the board. <clears throat> one of my earlier guests, season one, Amobi Akugo, uh, who you may, yeah, that's my guy, frugal athlete and uh, pro soccer. He, um, he, he mentioned Kellen Beecham as well. Uh, as someone that people look towards for for sort of that that sort of advice and um, just he, he he gave it he he mentioned him and just totally in a, in a separate scenario so yeah shout out to him sounds like he's got a lot going on but for with you guys you know the the idea of the the players company uh, were you guys just up just fed up about the middleman or is it just like a, a just it's just like you know what let's just take control of uh our our financial lives outside of football like like was there was there a moment or what what kind of sparked what kind of sparked the players company in 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 this like direct independent initiative it was when um i forget who i was playing with at the time i was in uh that aaf league league ended came back out here to the bay area sheldon was uh with the 49ers um and so we um you know we saw the problem firsthand with guys who we knew and Friends who, you know, we had played at ND with, whose career was, you know, a year, two years long. And, you know, they made a good chunk of change um, in that span and, you know, unfortunately just didn't have great spending habits. Um, and, you know, they fell on hard times after their playing career was over. And so, you know, it was a moment when I was at his, Sheldon's house, um, we were like, man, like, I think this is what we got to do. Like, we got to figure out this problem of really, you know, economic instability amongst athletes. Um, and so, you know, that was really the, the moment we said, like, this is really our North Star. How can we help, you know, this community here build wealth? Um, and there was a conversation, Shell always kind of tells this story, but there was a conversation he had with an individual out here where, 
you know, he asked him, like, Shell, what's true wealth mean to you? And uh, Shell was like, you know, it's dollars in my bank account. And, you know, that's what we've always been taught. Like, you know, especially when you grow up with no money, if you have dollars in your bank account, you're rich. Like, you know, you're the 1%, you know, the top 0.05% uh, from where you come from. And he was like, no, like, you know, that's not wealth. Wealth is what you own. It's, it's assets. Like, you've got to own assets in order to pass it down to, to your, you know, to your kids and your kids' kids. Um, and it was really that moment for Shell that it really sparked. It was like, man, like, I've got to begin to flip my mindset on what it means to actually build wealth. And, uh, and it was like, how can we now get everybody else to now have that similar mindset where, you know, right now, you know, at that time, it was you know, jewelry, cars, you know, these things that weren't, that were depreciating assets were kind of the cool flex in locker rooms. Um, and so what we said is, okay, really, we boiled it down from a problem standpoint. You know, nobody was going broke while they were playing. What was happening was, you know, those spending habits stayed consistent. You know, that playing career ended and now those, those expenses stayed the same. And so now there was this really aggressive drawdown on savings. And so we said, okay, man, how can we figure out how to help guys just understand how their current spending is going to affect them in the future? Like just as simple as that. Like if I know if I'm going to buy this car, if I'm going to buy this, you know, this piece of jewelry, if I know what that impact is going to be a year from now, or if I get cut, or if I could play with different scenarios, you know, I'll probably, you know, spend a little bit more wisely. Yeah. Um, and so we went to Wellfront, um, you know, the robo-advisor out here in, uh, in Palo Alto. We said, hey, look, we love your, your financial planning software. Uh, we think that it could actually provide a lot of value to athletes. You know, how can we actually bring this to NFL players and actually integrate it with the NFL PA benefits plan and make this real? Um, they were all for it. You know, it was their co-founder, Dan Carroll. You know, we met with Andy Radcliffe over there. Um, and so we got this thing in motion. We took it to the NFL PA um, and we started kind of at the bottom of the totem pole. At this time, Richard Sherman had joined on with us. So, you know, we thought we were coming with some strength. You know, we had Shell player, me, former player, Sherman on the executive committee. And so we worked our way all the way up to the decision maker. And, you know, they said, like, we love this. Like, this is better than anything that we have. But unfortunately, we have a partnership with this company that we can't do this at the moment. And that was really the moment for us because it was like the NFL Players Association, whose stated purpose is to maintain the best interest of NFL players. And when you have players coming to them saying, like, this is what we need. This is what will help us. And they say they can't do it due to a monetary relationship. It really just highlighted the brokenness of the system where the misalignment, like we weren't aligned, you know, from an economic and a social standpoint. And so it was at that moment we were like, man, we could really give up here. You know, this could be the end of the road for us. We spent about four months really getting this thing up and running. Um, or we could say, you know, let's do this ourselves. Like, let's create something that truly is for us by us that it will always be representative of the player in pro sports we got like the rolly culture right you know all the things that you said depreciate in value you know how do you get looked upon by but was it was everyone skeptical or in terms of like um you know even the other athletes in the space like you know what are these guys doing like you know like what, what was sort of the, the the reaction you know amongst your 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 peers i guess yeah so no it's definitely a positive reaction we got a great you know, piece of advice um, from this guy, Rashawn Williams. So Rashawn, um, he's a VC who's worked with a ton of athletes, um, you know, Manhattan Venture Partners, who he works with now. Uh, but, you know, he was somebody who also has been a great, you know, mentor for us, um, especially on the business side of things. And uh, he once said, he said, you know, the approach that I take when working with athletes is give everything, expect nothing in return. 
And so we really led with that mantra. It was really about how can we add value to your life, whether in like in the early days, like, I mean, we had reached out to Xbox to give out free Xbox, you know, game pass codes and Norma tech to get, you know, discounts on the Norma techs and, you know, you know, helping guys build relationships um, in the VC space or, or making introductions to, you know, business leaders that, you know, an athlete might be interested in kind of their, their particular field of business. And so it was really like, how can we help make your life better and really leading with value and that, you know, that approach um, was very, you know, warmly received. Um, and it's really, it's been our approach to this day. It's like, how can we add value to your life? And so I know Shell was, you know, boots on the ground in the locker room, having these conversations on a daily basis and really just getting the understanding of what the needs are. Like, you know, in order to service you, we've got to understand what your needs are and really, really building around, you know, relationships and, and just how you add. And so that's, you know, the biggest thing it's about community. It's like, how can we build a community to really, you know, one foster change, but you know, foster uh, positivity and and just that transfer of knowledge, information, and experience from one person to the other. So it definitely, you know, we we were met with very little resistance because um, athletes know, like you know, I think we're at the perfect time right now, where you know, especially as we get into this Web three space, like this is you know the the generation of athlete empowerment. It's an inflection point that's going on right now, absolutely, and I think Web three is a great vehicle for that in, in certain ways. Uh, and, and I'll say it again, I think in, a, in, our, in an era of Web3 where there's a ton of hype, there's a direct, I see direct relationships a lot between Web3 and sports and um, financial development. So really psyched about you know, what, what, what you're building. Are you, quick fun question before we move on. You guys walk around your, your peers uh, who are in the NFL and they got some change in jewelry on. Do they, they hide it when they see you guys around because they know you guys are, they, they think you guys are, <laughs> are the, uh, the, the financial police? Yeah, and to jump in on that, because yeah, it's okay to, to, you know, if you make it to the highest level when you're making millions of dollars, it's okay to, you know, splurge on yourself, you know, every once in a while. And, and like, that's been our overarching message. It's like, you know, when we do like our little financial literacy workshops, we were at House of Athlete um, this a this, uh, couple months ago. And it's like, we're not sitting here telling you like, you can't enjoy your life, like enjoy your life, but have a plan, like have some structure to it. Like, okay, this is your, your plan for your rookie contract. If you're making X amount, make sure, you know, the two rules, as you know, to, to building wealth is really just live below your means, save more than you spend and invest early and often. And so if you can get your chain and still save more than you spend, Why not? Um, you, know, you know, have fun, do it, Why but not? just make sure you have that structure and that plan. Um, and just not because the problem is people who are just frivolously buying and just throwing dollars at everything and there's really no rhyme or reason. And then, you know, those expenses stay the same and then retirement happens and now everything just catches up to them. So that's really been kind of our messaging. Um, and, you know, it's really just having that, you know, think past your rookie season, like think you, know, you get your big contract. OK, you know, now spend that big contract with a plan make sure you save what you spend invest early and often and if you have something left over spend the leftovers like that's your money do what you do with it <laughs> we, we when when i'm at the club and i see sheldon uh the, when the fun police comes off I, I'll, I'll get out of there and put some more money in my savings uh just as a reminder <laughs> hot topic big point of conversation here a vehicle a component of the players company um is what i like to coin the American Dream 3.0, Bank Dow. If you guys coin that, like 
I need some some royalties there, but I call it the American Dream 3.0 community where everyone has has stake here in the bank. You mind you mind explaining really quick, just like a 30 second synopsis of a bank DAO, just to just provide, I guess, the context for this. Yeah, so it started again with you know their journey with, with professional athletes and you know that conversation with the PA, um, where it really highlighted to us the problems of these different, especially financial systems that surround us and. You know, we looked at the advisor, the agent, and, and really, you know, from an athlete's vantage point, it was about everybody was working in their favor. And you had the athlete in the midst of kind of this, this circle and all these stakeholders and like saying, like, what about me? What about my interests? And so, you know, as we got further and further down that rabbit hole, you know, obviously the problems that athletes experience of economic instability and, you know, really, you know, what happens to an athlete, it's not exclusive to athletes. It starts somewhere. It starts in a lot of urban communities, you know, across our country where that wealth gap is going the wrong direction. Um, and so, you know, especially me personally, I, I spent a lot of time really just diving into, you know, what, what's the underlying, what are the underlying reasons that have contributed to that wealth gap going the wrong direction? And like you said, you know, American Dream 3.0 really is about how do we actually legitimately provide equitable opportunity? You know, what we believe is that underneath the wealth gap underlies an opportunity gap. And it starts with an opportunity to just access quality education. Then it's an opportunity to access capital. Then it's an opportunity to access quality investment. And so we really began to hammer down um, and study the banking system. And it was a very one-way street of value. And it's, a, a, it's an abusive system where, you know, we put our money into the bank, they lend it out, and they give us crumbs in return. And there really is no reciprocity to how value flows within that system and so when we got introduced to web 3 it was like a light bulb went off everything that we had talked about from you know just how do we empower athletes to now how do we empower the broader community really rested in these tools tools such as DAOs, tokens nfts of really providing more representative systems and so essentially what bank DAO, what we're creating is you know think web 3 chime or eventually a web 3 bank of america but it really comes down to we believe that consumers should capture more of the value that they create and so the value that's created for the institution in terms of revenue captured is value returned back to the community in terms of educational resources, scholarship grants, community initiatives. But, you know, imagine a world where that $30 billion of net income that Bank of America generates actually was flowing back to capitalize the people, programs and communities that need it most. So that's essentially what we're building up with Bank. Um, and really, it's just an extension of that same mission um, that we started with, you know, four years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to break this down to its simplest form. Okay, uh, Sheldon and Amir, I want to be a part of BankDAO. What's the first step? Do I need to download coin? Like, do I need a wallet? Like, you know, what is the first step for me to join this community? Yeah. So right now, the first step to join the community is just hop into the Discord. Like right now, we want to be all organic in terms of actually how we're adding value to people's lives. And so we're doing a lot of things around education. We have Bread 3.0, which is exploring the intersection of Web3 and wealth generation. Uh, we have mogul conversations in our Discord on Fridays. And now we're starting to do different IRL things where we have meetups surrounding you know, mindfulness and, and having people come in and talk about wealth building. Um, and so right now that discord is really kind of our hub for our community. But as we launch, um, we actually have a bank DAO application and that bank DAO application is a digital, um, banking platform. And that digital banking platform centers around this learn to earn experience. And as you learn and engage with the community on the actual application, you earn wealth tokens and those wealth tokens essentially, you know, provide community ownership and allows you an opportunity to share in the community's upside and success. So, um, so the so more I participate 
the more I participate, the more I within the Discord, the more I participate, the more I, tokens, more tokens I earn, and when I get more tokens, this allows me. Do I get special? I get like special privileges, or uh, you know, what 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 is the point of having the tokens? Yeah. And so one, um, the token really is it it mirrors the shared upside of the community. So as the community grows, there's more revenue. Um, you know, as the company gets bigger basically that value accrues to the token. So it gives you, it's that economic alignment and it gives you an opportunity to share in that community's upside. Um, and then also from a social side of things, really, you know, as we've built, how we are building a more representative system, the key is, is like, how do we now bring in the voices of the community? Like, you know, who better dictate what's in the best interest of the people than the people themselves. And so as you accumulate tokens, you accumulate governance rights. Um, and so without getting, you know, too deep into the weeds of what a DAO is, um, basically, you know, for holding tokens, you get a vote on how that treasury or that shared bank account of the ecosystem is then allocated. Um, uh, the shared bank account, the share, the shared bank account. I'm not looking for a routing number, but I'm saying, are you guys like, is there, is you guys have like a, a vault, so to speak? What are your plans with the, with the shared bank account itself? What does that look like in terms of a DAO? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, so the shared bank account, I like, that's my analogy for a DAO. When people ask, like, what a DAO is, it's just essentially a group of people with a shared bank account, a.k.a. a treasury, all democratically voting on how those funds are allocated back to the community. And so um, on a product standpoint, everybody ha can create their own individual bank accounts. However, you know, when you swipe your card or if you take a loan out, all of those dollars that are created in terms of revenue gets contributed to the ecosystem's shared account. And then the people are dictating how that shared account, how that treasury is then allocated back to its members. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we actually just completed the, the actual digital banking component okay. of things. Yeah. Um, nice. Where that'll be live. We go for our banking license in three weeks. Um, and so, yeah, that, that component of, you know, that product is about, I'd say 90% of the way complete. Um, but yeah, so that, that shared bank account, just think of that as the treasury where now, you know, bank of America is generating that $30 billion that goes into bank of America's, you know, company account versus now in our case of what bank Dow is, is that that goes into a community's treasury and it's the community that dictates how that capital flows versus the CEO or, you know, C-suite or whoever may be at these different you know, big banks how are, who are deciding where that capital then flows to. Sort of your description of, of, of just the, the breakdown of BankDAO. Unlike traditional banks, revenue, revenue will be contributed to a community treasury where the people democratically vote on how capital, capital is allocated and the treasury capital will be allocated to programs, scholarship grants, community initiatives, among others. The revenue specifically, what, how do you go, like the revenue contributed to a community treasury what is what where's this revenue being generated from when you have a bank dow debit card um so every time you go you go to chipotle or you go to panda express and you swipe your card um, for those who don't understand how how that aspect works um there's something called interchange um and so this interchange fee is where I, it's between merchant and bank and, and card issuer but essentially we capture about 1.05 percent every time that you swipe your card um, and so now when you swipe that card, you know, typically that revenue just goes back to the bank and you never see that value. That value never comes back to you versus now when you swipe that card, it goes into the community treasury 
And now when you when it when a vote comes, you know, we're voting on to support this charitable initiative. We're voting to create this, you know, event series. You now have a vote on how that revenue that you generated um, for this institution, for this this entity, this community, how that capital then flows back. And so initially it'll be very interchange heavy. So we'll have a debit card, we'll introduce a credit card, um, and then we'll also have different, you know, quote unquote lending products um, where, you know, just on a high level, you know, lending products, you basically can generate net interest margin. That's just the difference of, you know, interest paid out versus interest received. And so that difference that we capture, that then gets contributed to the community treasury. Um, and so it's going to be very, you know, banking dependent, that model. Um, the only difference, again, is that, you know, the people are dictating on how that revenue that we create for this institution is then reallocated back into the community in terms of how value is actually returned. So I got to ask in five years, where do you see this? Where do you see this going? Like, where do you see yourself in five years uh, in terms of players company and then bank Dow specifically? Five years from now, I would love to see this bank Dow community being, you know, you know hundred thousand people in this country in that we're really building amongst this community where people were having meetups, you know, people are having mentorship groups and like it really beginning to, you know, grow outside of the framework of what I think BankDAO should be, but you actually allow the people to, you know, really drive what the financial system of tomorrow should really look like. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm uh, once again, excited to, to talk about the, the, to keep track of the progress and, um, you know, salutes you guys for, for the players company, BankDAO. Be on the lookout for World of Wealth, World of Wealth NFT as well. <clears throat> and I'll plug that in uh, the, the bio and stuff. Um, but I, I, first of all, I want to thank you guys again for joining me. I got to know, got hard pivot here. Talk about what you guys have been listening to lately. Uh, curious to hear what you guys have been jamming to. Uh, what do you guys want to put us on to, <laughs> music-wise? So I'm a, I've always been, you know, a big Drake guy. I'm like an OG Drake guy, 2009, you know, since freshman, sophomore year of high school. So I always got Drake in the rotation on the playlist. You know, we got a couple of great R&B songs that just dropped, Warm Embrace, Chris Brown. That's that's definitely, that, that'll be a summer jam that we all are listening to. Um, some underground artists that I really like, FKJ, um, who, you know, sound engineer out of France. Like if you're just a, a person who loves music, um, I think he, I don't even know, he plays the piano, the saxophone, like that's just pure music. Um, so check out FKJ. Um, let's see. Risk, FKJ and Boss. That's a wonderful song. Check that one out. Um, you know, my guilty pleasure, I love Justin Bieber. You know, I think. Okay. Yeah. R and Bieber, when, when he gets into his R and B bag, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's definitely, you know, at the oh, top. Beeps can there. go crazy, wow. that's for sure. You feel me? Yeah. Um, Kid Leroy, too. Kid Leroy, let's see. What's, uh, what's my song there? Same thing. Same thing by Kid Leroy. Those would be kind of my, my few that I would just off the top of the head that's on in rotation on my playlist. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much uh, for Amir and Sheldon for, for, for joining me. Um, you know, really appreciate you guys coming on. And I just wish you best of luck with Bank Dowell and like, man, let's keep let's keep business booming. How about that? Yeah, man, most definitely. I really appreciate it. 
what you're doing and just, you know, humanizing athletes and getting their stories out there is so needed. Um, and like you said, it's an inflection point. And I can't wait to see kind of what that next, you know, iteration of athlete empowerment looks like. I'm so bullish on Web3 and actually athletes taking control of their narrative. So, you know, love what you're doing. Can't wait to, you know, maybe we can hop on the pod later in the summer, see where we're both at. But, man, I, I really appreciate you for having us on here.